The Lifestylist, episode 213. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. If you're into health and fitness and you listen to podcasts like this and the experts I have conversations with, I'm sure you've caught wind of the fact that artificial blue and green spectrum light after dark and even some of those spectrums during the day is really harmful to your health. Not only does blue light at night suppress melatonin, which helps you sleep and prevents you from getting diseases like cancer, by the way, but it also trashes the production of neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin and regulation of your hormones that make you feel good. So this is a massive problem, you guys, and there are scientific studies over studies coming out all the time that prove that it is a fact that being exposed to unnatural light after dark really messes you up, period. I'm not a fear monger, but I'm a reality monger and I like to have awareness and I like to share cutting edge information with you. Now, thankfully, you don't have to go live in a cave somewhere or in the middle of the woods and only live by firelight at night like we've evolved to. You can go to blueblocks.com and get yourself some dope glasses that come in different shades that block the blue and or green spectrum of light that really tweaks you at night. Even for working on computers, they have prescription glasses, they have reading glasses, etc. So go to blueblocks.com. That is spelled B-L-U-B-L-O-X, blueblocks.com. Here's some more good news for you. If you enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout, you will save 15% off your order. That's blueblocks.com. This episode would not be possible, folks, if it weren't for my friends over at Organifi.com. You can find all of their fantastic products, many of which I use on a daily basis at Organifi.com forward slash Luke. If you're looking uh, for something to start with, I would go for the green juice powder. Easy to travel with, super, super powerful and energizing and so good for you. But not only that, it actually tastes good. It's not a green powder that tastes like mold mixed with cat litter and an old shoe. It tastes freaking delicious. It's minty. It has kind of a matcha essence. No sugar. Doesn't spike your blood sugar. Won't take you out of ketosis. It's just badass. It's a great alternative to buying super expensive, easy to spoil green juice. Now, I love my green juice, but I really love the powder. Also, I'd love for you to try the Organifi Gold. And I'll tell you what, this stuff actually is gold. I covet my uh, bins of gold in my kitchen. I protect them. I look out for them. I only share my gold with very close friends. Now, actually, I give it to everyone that comes over because it's such an easy sell. And um, one little secret that my friends and family don't know is that I don't really do anything to it. You know, it's like, they'll come over, make me that one drink. It's so delicious. And I feel special. But all I literally do is put like hot water and cold water, maybe some fats into it. And, you know, I might soup it up with some other smart drugs or something weird like that. But really, it's just the gold tastes so good. It's a great base for any other type of elixir or superfood drink or even like a paleo ice cream or anything like that. 
So the gold and the green are amazing, but they also have some protein and probiotics and a red juice and all kinds of rad stuff over at Organifi.com forward slash Luke. Once you get there, use the code lifestylist and save yourself a cool 15%. Organifi.com forward slash Luke. We are officially back in the saddle again, folks. Luke Story here with another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. Today's guest is Naveen Jain, and this is one you don't want to miss. I don't know if I've ever met anyone so fun, enthusiastic, and optimistic about health, forward thinking, and the future of humanity. And I've met some pretty cool people doing this show and throughout my many years on the planet. Uh, But this guy does not only think outside of the box, I don't think Naveen even knows there is a box or there ever has been a box. So get ready to open your mind and expand your horizons in every way. Naveen Jain is an entrepreneur and philanthropist driven to solve the world's biggest challenges through innovation. His credits are too numerous to name here. Dude is up to some really, really big things, and we're going to talk all about that. Before we get into this conversation with Naveen, let's talk about next Tuesday's episode with my friend Tim Gray from the Health Optimization Summit that's coming up in London. I've been plugging it on the show in case you didn't hear that. It's September 14th and 15th. I'll be speaking there, as will Dave Asprey and tons of other luminaries in the health and wellness scene. Tim's going to tell us next week about the future of biohacking and how he's bringing all of these different philosophies together under one roof and uh, just a very inspiring conversation. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss next week's episode. I'll be speaking at RamaFest in Majorca, Spain, July 19th through 21st. The following night on the 22nd, I'll be doing the High Love Experience Workshop also at Rama in Majorca, Spain. You can get tickets to those as well as the aforementioned Health Optimization Summit at lukestory.com forward slash events. That's lukestory.com forward slash events. If you're a fan of the show and you've been digging this material for a while, or even if this is your first episode and at the end of it, you're like, wow, this was dope. What can I do to support this guy and the amazing work he's doing with these guests? You can go to lukestory.com forward slash store. I get so many questions from people about what the best biohacking technologies are, what supplements I use, how to find great organic food at a discount, all these kind of things. So you know this show is about building the ultimate lifestyle, right? Where everything that I've found uh, over the past 22 years of research is located and linked at lukestory.com forward slash store. And that's a great way you can save yourself the time and energy of trying to figure out what's the best stuff because I've already done it for you. And it's also a way to support your health because everything in there moves the needle. Some really potent elixirs and herbs and all kinds of great stuff in there. And you're also going to support uh, many brands that are just doing things the right way with high integrity, making really high quality products. And you can, of course, support the show at the same time because in some cases, not all, I make a small commission off purchases made through the affiliate links in my online store. So there's the plugs. You want to talk about today's show? I know I do. We talk a lot about the current healthcare system and how as an institution, it's broken. Everyone in the system kind of profits off of the sick and no one really makes money when people are healthy. And that could be said really of the supplement industry to a degree too. And like so many other industries, the healthcare industry is looking to optimize monetization even further by leveraging the subscription model to treat an increasing number of suffering people with chronic disease. So 
Naveen, our guest, just has a completely upside down view on the way the health industry, the healthcare industry can operate. And even as a business owner of Viome, one of his many companies, um, the way that he's constantly trying to make things as cheap as possible and make less profit. I mean, it's just backwards. I don't know. It's all craziness. It's upside down land in the coolest way. So I've just had such a great time having this conversation with Naveen, and I know that you will too. Here's a bullet point list of what we talk about in today's episode. Naveen's philosophy, the less you know, the more you think you know, and the more you know, the more you realize how little you truly know. Try and wrap your head around that. You will be able to do it with him in a few moments. How to become the CEO of your own health, something I'm a huge advocate of life-changing technologies that might be closer to reality than you think. If you want to move society forward, you have to focus on what the world can be and not what the world is. And I think that's what makes Naveen truly brilliant and so inspiring to be around. The myth of scarcity, why we are at best 1% human, and even that 1% is controlled by our microbiome, which, spoiler alert, we talk a lot about the gut biome here, but I didn't really want to make the episode title something about the gut biome because it's it's just much more of a global conversation, but he is an expert at the gut thing. So we do definitely talk about that as well. Why Naveen is constantly trying to reduce the cost of his most transformative products. The fact that doing good and doing well are not mutually exclusive. And finally, why Naveen believes making money is like having an orgasm. If you're focused on it, you're never going to get it. So you have to just enjoy the process. And that sounds like a good way to live life and a great way to start off this conversation with Mr. Naveen Jain. Naveen Jain, welcome to the show, dude. Oh, Luke, it's an honor. It's been so long we have been thinking about it. So I'm yeah, so glad we finally... Yeah, it's good to see you again, man. I remember the first time we met at Next <laughs> Health and... We were down, I think they were recording a podcast yep. with you and I came to hang out and I swear to God, I have probably not laughed that hard <laughs> in years and maybe not even since. And that was some months ago. So I just was really looking forward to sharing some time with you and absorbing your super fun, enthusiastic energy. I don't know if I've met anyone that's as lively as you are when it comes to health and thinking um, in optimistic ways about the future of humanity. So I'm stoked to talk to you. Well, look, as I said, I've been, you know, reading about you and I think you're one of the few people who are just intellectually so curious about everything. And to me, that life is curiosity. The day you stop being curious is the day you actually die. You become a zombie. You're no longer growing. You're no longer living. What is that life worth if you can't be learning and growing and if you're not curious? Yeah, the teachability factor, right? Life gets really boring if you have the answers already. <laughs> well, and you know, it's interesting thing is the less you know, the more you think you know. And the more you know, then you realize how little you know. <laughs> that's true. Oh, that's a good tweetable. So, you know, I'm, I'm tempted, of course, to talk about the gut biome and your company, Viome, um, and, and what you're doing with your research there. But you're such a global thinker that it's almost, you know, while I'm tempted to go there and kind of, you know, niche down, so to speak, but I love the way that you think about big ideas. And so what do you see as the future of healthcare, the health and wellness industry? What are the things that are coming around, you know, um, moving forward that are really going to change the way we look at our physical health, spiritual health, et cetera? So first thing is that our whole healthcare system is really becoming an institution. And in this institution, it is somehow 
is not designed to take care of the customer or a patient in this case, right? So everyone in this system makes money when you're sick and no one makes money when you're healthy. Now just think about a system that fundamentally is incented to not keep their customer happy because they stop making money, right? Every other business, you make more money by keeping your customer happy unless you happen to be in the healthcare business. And now they have figured out that as more and more people are just not having infectious diseases or that's easy to cure infectious diseases, now this chronic diseases is something they figured out can actually be a subscription business. Think about that for a second. When they see a chronic disease, they see a person with a lifetime subscriber. So all they do want to do is basically suppress the symptom of the uh, uh, symptom of the disease rather than understand what is causing the disease and eliminate the, eliminate the root cause. Because by suppressing the symptom, you have to rely on them for the rest of your life. And they count that, they basically think of it as a nice subscriber now, right? The only person who's not happy with that situation is the patient themselves, the person who is sick. So to me, the biggest change I think in the uh, healthcare is going to be the consumerization of healthcare. Almost every industry is now going towards where the person is directly taking control of their own destiny. So in healthcare, the individuals are going to become the CEO of their own health. They're going to start to learn more about their body than their doctors will ever know. And the interesting thing is, in the last few years in the and in the next five years, we're going to have tremendous amount of technology that's going to allow us to look inside our body at a molecular level. We'll be able to know everything that's happening inside our body and we'll be able to use the artificial intelligence to actually find out what is wrong and how to fix it. No doctor, in fact, no human being can analyze this much data and that is going to be the key is that, you know, it's a matter of time, we're going to have the smart toilets. That means every day, your pee and your stool is going to be analyzed. You're going to have smart tiles as opposed to the carpet or the tiles we have. They're going to be able to measure your weight. They'll be able to take a perspiration from your, uh, uh, you know, bottom of your feet and uh, analyze your perspiration. Your mirror is going to be constantly analyzing your body. And all that information is going to be constantly being put together and say, Luke, here is what you should be doing and here is what you need to avoid. And that is going to be in the beginning, a polite conversation. Hey, don't do this. Eventually, it may be that AI is going to say, just like today when someone drinks too much, a bartender says, I'm cutting you off, right? Someday, the AI is going to say, you know what, Luke? You're just not going to get a French fries and burger. Enough. Now, <laughs> you say, that's okay. I'm going to go out and eat. Guess what? The AI has already notified all the restaurants. You walk in there and say, Mr. Story, let me just tell you, you're not getting your uh, burgers in French because your AI has already told us that you can't have that. Right? So my question with that from the being kind of a conspiratorial rebel anarchist that I am, um, who then controls the AI, right? Like how do you, how do you uh, manage the, the power and, and touch of that? It's sort of like we're seeing in big tech now. You have these... Yep platforms that no one intended to become so socially and politically powerful. Mm -hmm. And if they decide, oh, we don't like this person's point of view, like specifically, there are many conservative voices now that are being blatantly censored, right? Which I don't, whether I agree with those people or not, I don't think is healthy for society. But that's the thing about AI. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I'm like, but wait a minute, who's pulling the strings of this, you know, at the top of the, uh, of the food chain, so to speak. What if 
it is actually done by the people who love you. So you define the five people that care about you and they decide if this is what is good for Luke, is that what we should be doing or not? So in some sense, it is going to be in the control of the people who actually care about you. Right. So I think there are a lot of ways to protect ourselves. But I was just simply saying that these are the possibilities that will happen someday. Is that, you know, not doing that. Is that's all external that I talked about. One day we're going to have a nanobots inside our body. And these nanobots are going to constantly analyze our body right from inside. It's going to be constantly repairing the damages being done. Would we still need the hemoglobin and the something to carry the oxygen? Maybe temporarily. But what if you have a nanobots that also have the oxygen molecules in them? Even if your heart stopped working, these nano, nanobots are going to get into action and start providing the oxygen. So your brain is totally fine. And it alerts you and say, you know what, Luke? Looks to me, your heart stopped working. I'm going to call the doctor, have him print out a new heart for you. Um, and it's going to be ready in an hour. So if you want to go take a shower, that's totally fine. And um, I'll have a new heart ready for you when you show up there. Right. Now, that is, you know, so idea would be that we're going to have our own our own stem cells constantly repairing your body. And some organs that may be beyond repair will be able to 3D print those organs and essentially bring them back into the body. One day, you have to start thinking about what is it that we replace when we stop being who we are as an individual, right? So today, we replace our knees and people say, oh, that's still okay, that's still Luke. Well, Knee, uh, you know, Luke breaks his shoulder and says, ah, that's okay. We got a new shoulder for him. You stop, you know, heart stops working. You got an artificial heart and that's still totally fine. Well, he got an artificial kidney now. Well, he got an artificial lung now. At what point of time you stop being you? And most people will say, well, as long as his memories and experiences are really what makes him who you are, who he is, and as long as they're intact, he's still the same person. Now, those memories and experiences are simply a human concept, right? So we really are creating these things based on what we see and what we believe we see. We all heard this phrase called, I will believe it when I see it. What does it really mean? What you see is really real or it is your perception of the reality that you're seeing, right? So, for example, the human eye only sees a small bandwidth. Bat can see maybe more. Now, is that not a reality? Our auditory cortex, we only hear a very small wavelength of sound. Dogs can hear different things. Is that not a reality? Now imagine, if you can amplify or enhance our auditory cortex, our sensors, those sensors are outside our brain. They're simply sending signal to the brain. And if we can enhance them to hear something that we have not heard, is that not a reality? So today, if I were to tell you that I'm an enhanced person, and I say, hey, Luke, do you hear this Taylor Swift song playing here? And you're going to look at me and say, this guy is really crazy. There is, you know, there is nothing playing here, right? So when people see things, maybe call them ghosts, or people hear things that we don't hear, are they simply the super enhanced humans? Or oh, they're man. simply crazy? This is, I like where you're going with this. So recently, and I, I'm thinking, yeah, the podcast I'm about to release on this will have come out before this conversation, but... Uh, for the first time ever, I, I went recently to Costa Rica mm -hmm. and I did four ayahuasca ceremonies, yeah. four nights in a row. Yeah. Beautiful experience. And it's, of course, I mean, we could have a 10-hour podcast yeah. just describing it. But in essence, I felt that what that particular plant did was 
sort of diminish the veil mm-hmm. that prevents uh, my consciousness from experiencing the whole of these dimensions that mm-hmm. are around us, right? Mm-hmm. So right now I can touch, feel, sure. see, hear, yeah. taste, smell, right? Yeah. And so it expanded that where I could hear things in a different way, see things in a different way, and also have an awareness of this super consciousness or this God consciousness that exists in these other dimensions. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of subsides and go, yeah. goes away after a few hours and you're back to quote unquote normal, yeah. right? Which mm-hmm. is this sensory limitation that mm-hmm. we have in our physical body. Yeah. And so I'm wondering what your perspective is on the future of building these awarenesses or super consciousness or, or, or super abilities mm-hmm through plant medicines or psychedelics, do you see that as a viable um, you know, area of research or development in this field where you're talking about? But let's not focus on how. Let's continue okay. focus on what is possible. Okay. There is no doubt in my mind you'll be able to enhance the sensory experience, okay. whether it can be a, a additional device that you essentially interfaces with your brain wirelessly or through some way that essentially gets your brain to hear things that could have come from your ear or for you to be able to see things that would have come through your uh, eyes. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about the human brain is it doesn't know where the signal is coming from. It just sees the electrical signal, right? So now imagine, we um, in a virtual reality is really amazing. Um, If many of the people don't realize this virtual reality, there is a game called Ledge. You step about one and a half step up on a platform. You put this headset on and now it goes up about 40 story and it looks like the elevator is breaking and you need to get off the elevator and you look down there is 40 story down. All you have to do is take a step off. Everyone takes a step off trying to feel the earth and can't feel it. They scream to that. Even though you know you just took a step and a half, your brain is saying, no, 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 no. That may have been five minutes ago. I am looking down. That's a 40-story down. You're not taking that step. You're dying. And people cannot take that step because your human brain cannot fathom the fact what it is seeing is not happening, right? So my point is the brain can be fooled very easily to believe in what is not real, right? Mm -hmm. What if now we can enhance the sensors What if you're sitting here, your sensor is somewhere in Tennessee. It sees that. Your somatosensory thing that you think you're touching, your brain is actually seeing and feeling them. You can hear the sound. How does the brain know that you're actually not there? It doesn't know that you're not there because every perception of the brain says, I am touching it, I'm meeting people, I'm shaking hands, I can feel it, I can hear it, I can see everything. What is not real about that? Now, that's one part. But now imagine, instead of 5G, you have this 6G and 7G, extremely fast network. And what if you can be in five places at the same time, constantly synchronized and having the experience of being in every single place? How would you, you know, when mom used to say, you can't be in two places at the <laughs> same funny. time. <laughs> what well, if you could be in all the places at the same time? You know what that makes me think of is some of the, the saints and um, sages from your home yeah. country yeah. that, are reported to have been able to bilocate, you know, some of the famous gurus where they're sitting with some devotees over here in this part of the ashram. And at the very same time, they're also in the town shopping, you know what I mean, or whatever. And someone saw them there. I mean, there's all of these stories in folklore, specifically in India, randomly enough. And then people hear that and they think it's not possible. But to me, it's like the type of thing where, say you have, I have dreams all the time where I'm crying or laughing or having some emotional experience in the dream. 
sometimes pleasant, sometimes not. And then I wake up and I'm physically crying or physically having that experience or moving Mm -hmm. my body in a way I'm running from a tiger or whatever, Mm -hmm. getting a hug, Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So we already live in our own sense of alternate reality, but it's, it's limited by, I think, small thinking, right? It's like people that, and I sense you're someone that doesn't even think outside of the box. The way you talk, I'm like, this guy doesn't even have a box. It's not that you're like, oh, here's the box and I'm outside of it. You're like, forget about all boxes. I'm going here into this alternate reality. But, but that's the point. It is, you know, so most people would have said that Steve Jobs lives, lives in distorted reality field, right? Right. What if that's the only reason you call that distorted is because you can't see it. It may be so clear to him or to someone who you're talking to, right? So to me, the reality comes from the belief. Your own belief system is really creates that reality that you see so clearly that how the world can be. So when I can wake up in the morning and say, you know, why is not possible to create a world where illness can be optional? For me, it is so clear that world exists. And I want to, you know, articulate that world to people. And people look at me, it's like, this guy has really lost it. He, maybe he's getting too old. He just totally lost it, right? Yeah. It's because they cannot imagine it. Imagination is what creates these boundaries for our, limit, you know, dreams or anything. It's all limited by the imagination, right? And our belief system is really limited by the imagination. Even the people who love you limit you to what they can imagine, right? So my mom who would love me to death would say, son, you can do anything you want. Sky's the limit. She knew there was a limit because she cannot fathom the reason that sky doesn't exist. And as you grow up and I say, mom, you know that sky doesn't exist, right? Sky is the imagination, a figment of our imagination because we see that, just a light. Right. When you go from here to the moon, you don't say, hey, mom, I just passed the sky. (laughs) Right? Right. There's nothing there. So point is, we create these belief system inside us and every part of our life, they become our limitations, right? So people who today see limitations because they see the world as is rather than what the world can be. And if you want to move the society forward, you got to focus on what the world can be, not what the world is. Mm, this is why all of the infighting that goes on socially and yeah. you know on social media and through all of the different health experts and uh, people essentially uh, you know of course in politics have a very hard time getting outside of that paradigm of this versus that right versus wrong i guess it's that duality of thinking that we get and caught also, up in also the another thing the reason we fight is because we have this idea of scarcity we believe in this finiteness of the world that things are finite, they're scarce. Because when something becomes abundant, it loses value. That means it becomes democratized, it becomes demonetized, right? And a lot of times I hear people say, no, 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 humans are way too greedy. It doesn't matter how much we have, we will want more and we'll hoard it and we won't let someone else have it, right? And until you remind them that, hey, isn't it possible for 75,000 to people to sit in a sport arena and enjoy the game without fighting over oxygen or air. I've never seen a person sitting and saying, slap the person next to them and say, hey, you're breathing my air. That's my air I paid for. You can't breathe that. Everyone enjoys it because we inherently believe the air is abundant. We inherently believe that oxygen 
is abundant. So we it's democratized, it's right. demonetized. <laughs> Think about if we thought about that as uh, as crude oil. That's exactly <laughs> you know? my point. That's exactly you know I mean? my point. If what you look if? at all the carnage that has you know ensued, all of the death and suffering that's ensued that's over just, that particular resource but of that's fuel. Not you know? a, I mean, that's actually too limiting. What if you say energy can be the next air? Energy can come from multiple things. It could come from crude oil. It can come from solar. It can come from wind. It can come from fusion. Or it can come from things we haven't even imagined yet. Right. But you got to think about Energy is what can be next air. What right. if the food can be next air? And people get really huffy and puffy and say, how can food be abundant, right? It's because what you think of as a food, right? It mm. is the matter of, and that brings me to the, really the point about asking the right set of questions. So if you want to solve a big problem, you have to rethink of what the problem is. If you can't rethink the problem is you're going to constantly struggle about solving the wrong problem in the staying in the same way of thinking. So I can give you a couple of examples. I mean, let's take something really audacious. How do we create an infrastructure for humanity to live on the moon or the Mars? People say, that's just crazy. Humans are not designed to live on the moon or Mars. It is impossible. And the minute someone says it's impossible, it becomes impossible for them and no one else, mm. right? Now, if you were, instead of just set, change that question to say, what technologies need to be developed for us to, be live, to li live on the moon? What needs to happen for humans to live on the moon? Just changing the question. Now you say, oh, okay. The humans cannot live because there is too much radiation. Now, what needs to be done for us to be radiation-proof? And suddenly you realize that even last week, there was an amazing story that they find these bacteria growing and thriving outside the space station in pure nothing but radiation. Right? Really? Yeah. In fact, they in the radioactive nuclear waste, they find these bacteria growing. What? And thriving, yes. Oh my God, that's in so Chernobyl, cool. In Chernobyl, <laughs> they have all the radiation really? and these things are thriving, right? So my point is nature has figured out how to protect its DNA from radiation and use radiation as a source of energy rather than toxic. And then now they're thriving. Now we can take the genetic material from these bacteria, use CRISPR to modify our own genes. And next thing you know, we are completely radiation resistant. Sure, the CRISPR is not quite 100% ready today, but we'll be ready in three years. Five years. Point is, wow. that is already happening. Right. So next thing people will say, oh, that's fine now. But how are you going to grow the food on the moon? And that's another bad question to ask. The question you should be asking is, why do we eat food? Because once you ask that, if you say, how are you going to grow the food? Then you're in the same system trying to figure out how to grow the food. But if you ask the question, why do we eat food? Now you're solving a very different set of problems. And the answer would be because we need energy and we need nutrition. We need nutrients and we need energy. Well, what if you can get the energy like plants get them photosynthesis? Can we get a chlorophyll that use get the photosynthesis? Can we use same thing bacteria does for radiation? Now, nutrition part is interesting. What type of nutrients might be needed? Well, someone says, well, you need hydrogen, you need oxygen, you need nitrogen. Okay. Well, we have plenty of water on the moon. We got, that means we can already put them into ingredients, hydrogen and oxygen, H2O. Now, nitrogen part is interesting. 
We don't know that yet, do we? Right? Maybe now we need to simply figure out, can we find the nitrogen on the moon or can we take enough nitrogen from Earth to the moon? And now living on the moon is simply about how do we get nitrogen to the moon? Right? That problem is a very solvable problem. Something yeah. that looked impossible suddenly starts to look like, oh, of course I can do that. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. All right, here's the deal, guys. I've been into the health and wellness scene for 22 plus years now. I've seen a lot of different supplements come and go, a lot of different devices and modalities come and go. One that I found last year in 2017, I feel is never going to go, and that's called red light therapy or photobiomodulation. You can go back to episode number 169 of the Lifestylist podcast and learn all about it where I interview the founders of Juve. Not just about the Juve products that I'm going to tell you about right now, but just about this therapy altogether. Uh, there are thousands of clinical studies on red light therapy. So if you're serious about your health, it's hard to ignore that research and hard science. This is not woo-woo stuff. I'm into some woo-woo stuff. Nothing wrong with that. But this is seriously effective treatment. Okay, so whether you're trying to improve your skin, reduce joint pain, get better sleep or really improve your testosterone production, which has been one of the major benefits for me, then red light therapy with a juve is going to be a major investment in your health. So I use my juve religion, religiously. <clears throat> Edit. Now I use my juve religiously, but I really miss it when I travel. I mean, the thing's like five feet tall or something. So it sits here in my office when I'm gone and I really miss it. <laughs> I want to hug my juve. So that's why I'm super pumped about their new handheld device. It's called the Juve Go and it gives you all the same juve red light power, but it fits in the palm of your hand so you can take it anywhere. And you can also kind of use it, you know, spot use it like in certain areas. Like for guys, I'll just give you a little hint. If you're trying to raise your testosterone, you use it down in the nether regions. I know it sounds weird, but that's what a lot of the science is actually about. So to check out the Juve units, whether it's the modular ones like I have or the handheld, all you have to do is head over to juve.com forward slash Luke. That's J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash Luke. And once you're over there, you're going to see a special bonus the Juve team is uh, hooking you up with if you're a listener. So just use the code Luke at checkout and you're going to get a free gift. So that's juve.com forward slash Luke and use the code Luke at checkout. I'm guessing that by the end of this podcast, you're going to want to get your gut microbiome tested and find out what the heck's going on in there. And of course, there's no better place to do that than Viome. If you want to check this out, go to viome.com forward slash Luke story. These guys are the only company that can identify and quantify the living organisms in your gut in order to analyze what those little bugs are producing and then provide you with a personalized meal plan and nutrition and even fitness recommendations. For example, if your microbiome is jacked up, you might not be able to process nutrients in foods like spinach, beets, and almonds. You know, foods that you think are good for you. Well, they might not be good for you because of what's going on in your gut. You might not be able to digest the amount of protein that you're eating, which, God, I hope that's not the case with me because I eat a grip of protein. And also, if some of those healthy antioxidants or supplements you're eating aren't really benefiting you. It's all about the gut. You might be eating too much iron and promoting the growth of potential pathogens like salmonella, seriously. So you got to know what's going on in your gut because this is what affects weight loss, improves sleep, mental clarity, solves digestive issues, improves your skin. And more than anything, I think when my gut is on point, I'm just in a better mood. So don't just guess and think you're going to eat healthy foods and take the right supplements. Get your gut tested. Super easy to do. Go to viome.com forward slash Luke story. That's spelled V-I-O-M-E dot com forward slash Luke story. 
And now back to the interview. You know, I've over the years seen different things about say like a free energy system where, you know, some, some eccentric uh, inventor creates something you can put out in your backyard and you can cut off from the power grid and just generate, put compost in there and it makes energy. And then that person gets assassinated. You know, they, they die of a suicide by four shots in the back or something like that. You know, there seems to be from not to be too paranoid, but it's just an observation that there, there may be powers that exist within the world that are actually working hard to suppress some of these advancements in technology for humanity because of the profit motive and their scarcity mentality and the power structure that's in place that's stopping people like you that might develop a device or a technology or just a different way of thinking from coming into fruition because they'll lose their stranglehold on that um, that um, apparent scarcity. Do, do you think there are forces that are kind of working to suppress technologies at play and what might, what might we do to circumvent them? So first of all, I really don't believe in this conspiracy theory and he'll tell you why I don't believe it. There was a time that was possible to do with this, with this internet and social media, your ideas instantly become the global ideas. You mean instantly the thing that was your thought process can become a thought process of a billion people out there. You can, you can kill a person. You cannot kill an idea once it's out there. Once the genie is out of the bottle, it is done. U.S. may not like CRISPR. Once it is out of the bottle, they're doing the CRISPR in UK, they're doing the CRISPR in China. We may not allow the you know, stem cell development here. They're doing it all over the world. The genie is out of the bottle. And that is a beautiful thing about the idea. Once you come up with a way that can make the humanity better, the people in the current system will do everything in their power to stop it. But they are powerless. Because once that idea spreads, how many suicides are going to happen? Because right. there are billions of people. Right. They have to kill everyone. <laughs> right, they have right. no market. Right, right. Right. So my point right. is, that is the beauty of the things today. That you cannot, you don't have to be worried about it. And that's the reason you should always share your ideas with everyone. Because that creates a movement. You can kill a person. You can never, never kill a movement. Right? And as we started our you know, podcast in the beginning, you said, you know, how do we go out and make illness optional? We created a movement around it. It's not my problem. It's not my company. It is not something I do for I need to make money. We do it for the betterment of humanity. And when you do that, amazing things happen. You were in the room yesterday. People stood up and said, I am your customer. It is helping me. It's changed my life. I no longer have to talk about it. Because right. they talk about it. How do you stop that movement? Drug company may not like it anymore. Right? I am the person who can go up on a national TV and say, pharmaceutical companies have become a parasite on humanity by keeping them unhealthy, keeping them sick. Humanity will come together to kill the parasite. How do you stop from humanity coming together? Only way we can do that is we as a society either decide this problem is not worth solving or we become selfish and saying only I need to solve this problem. If right. someone else is doing it, it's not worthwhile. Right, right. And how many times right. I don't know you and I hear, all I just want to do is 
help the world, but I am doing the same thing. Let's work together. Oh, no, 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 no. It's me want to doing it, not you. I'm sorry. I thought we all want to help them. No, 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 no. So my point is, why is it that if you talk to any charitable organization, they rarely work together? Why is that? That's strange. Strange. Yeah. yeah. They all tell you, I am not a profit motive. I just want to help the people. And I'm trying to help people for this cause. I'm trying to help it for this cause. They would never work together and say, hey, why don't you invite your people to our cause and we'll invite our people to your cause and we all can help them. They never share. Never share. Now, I'm thinking even businesses who are profit motive, they come together and form joint ventures. Sure. But charities don't. That's weird. I never thought about that. I guess I don't know that much about you know that element of business of the of the not for profit business sector. But now that I think about it, you don't see these conglomerates yeah. of charities like you would corporations yeah. that envelop each other and merge and all this that's going on all the time. You can't and, even and keep do better, up with it. the more good in the world. No, huh. because it's all about self interest. I am the queen bee in my town. I host a gala event, and by the way, the money I raise is simply to pay for the gala, but everyone knows I care about the cause <laughs> and the cause goes out the window. <laughs> right, right. Cause doesn't get anything. Nobody really cares about how do we have the people who are actually sick, but they host a gala. Well, this is what's interesting to me about, and I love, you know, God bless people that are doing charitable work, of course, but sometimes I'll be in a gas station yeah. and they say, oh, do you want to make a donation for the breast cancer well, awareness thing? And I think, well, I'm a good person. I do, but then again, I don't because I don't, I believe that cancer is, preventable, curable. Yeah. It's it's not even a real thing. And that's easy for me to say, someone that's not had cancer, or, you know, had a good friend or loved one die of cancer per se. But it's like, we're going after the, why put a dollar in this thing instead of making a podcast that teaches people how to live a life where you never get cancer, you know? But it's interesting that there's, it's kind of like the pharmaceutical industry in the sense that we're treating symptoms instead of like going, hey, let's ignore this whole thing over here. And what if there was a world where yeah. we didn't need a society to, to you know, have no. cancer awareness because we're just not getting it anymore. It's a thing that of the past. Is, that's a new way of thinking, which is says, let's understand what causes cancer. Let's prevent cancer. Not simply let's give the money to cure the cancer. It is going to keep happening, right? It is understanding the root causes. So it reminds me of a story of a Buddhist monk, right? He was sitting on the bottom of the Ganges River and he started to see this body coming down. And he's trying to pick up the body one by one and trying to revive those bodies. And there was another gentleman walks by and and looks at it and just keeps walking. And the Buddhist monk screams and says, don't you have any compassion or empathy? I am drowning here trying to save these people here. Can't you come and help me? And he says, I'm going up the stream to figure out why these bodies are coming down. <laughs> oh, nice. Right? Because right, right. I'm trying, you know, point is that is until you do that. And by the way, that happens everywhere. We just don't realize it. There was a, wonderful uh, woman I met and she said, I, I care so much about orphanage and I'm now have, you know, 30 people orphanage. I want to expand it to 50 people orphanage. And I said, you are down the stream catching the bodies. You got to go upstream mm. and find out why these kids are coming into the orphanage to begin with. And unless you solve that, it doesn't matter how many things you do. You're simply just going to get drowned because there are more and more people coming in until you fix the symptom, right? And that's the reason when I started this company, I'm not, you know, so I started, as you and, you and I were talking about it, we started Wyom, right? Which is, you know, I, you know, one interesting thing, Luke, you're going to appreciate. Indians cannot pronounce the word we. 
V-I-O, is it two M's? M-M-E, one M, V-I-O-M-E, Viome. It's like biome, like gut biome, but Viome. But V, as a V, right? So it's very interesting. So started this company with a single purpose, that what if illness can be optional? And the idea was, why do we have these chronic diseases? These, these things are really not diseases. We give them the names. We take the set of symptoms and we take a set of symptoms and we start giving them the names. Right. And doesn't that give them more power? Of course it right. does. Right. Now you have a name. That means you have insurance code. Now you have a pill. <laughs> you give me the ill, I'll give you the pill. Right. right. And that's right. literally what we do. I need to know the name of the sickness before I can give you the pill for that. Right. right. And that's literally what they keep doing. Right. And instead of understanding, so people say, oh, there is Alzheimer's, there is Parkinson's, there is depression, there is anxiety, there is PTSD, there is OCD, and that, by the way, there is obesity, and there is diabetes, and there is heart disease, and my God, there is autoimmune diseases, and oh my God, there is cancer. Without understanding, all of these chronic diseases are simply the symptom of one thing, which is low-grade chronic inflammation. Chronic inflammation causes chronic diseases and the chronic inflammation comes when your gut is actually out of balance, right? So this mm, is something wow. I want to spend just a little bit of time to understand yeah, because yeah. I did not know any of the stuff I'm going to talk about until three years ago. And I am one of those information junkies. I read 10,000 scientific papers. And it's starting to learn why do people have these diseases? And it turns out that we as humans really are 1% of our genes that are expressed in our body comes from our mom and dad. Our DNA only produces about 22,000 genes is what's expressed in our body. Our microbiome in our gut, 40 trillion of them produce 2 million to 20 million genes. That means we wow. are at best 1% human. Even that 1% is being controlled by the things that are released by the microbiome based on the food we eat. So this whole idea used to be that somehow we are what we eat. It turns out we are what we digest, right? You can eat a food and if your organisms in your gut is turning that into nutrients, you stay healthy. And if you're turning them into toxin, you get sick, right? So what is healthy for you? So interesting thing is there's no such thing as universal healthy food. A food that is super food for you can be a kryptonite for someone else. Everyone thinks that spinach is healthy food. If spinach is healthy for some people, the spinach has a lot of oxalic acid. And if you don't have the gut microbiome that's producing the chemicals and the enzymes to detoxify oxalic acid, it's going to end up as kidney stone or it's going to end up as causing inflammation. People, Thank you, God. It's so nice to hear that. I wish... No. My girlfriend loves to eat raw kale. I'm telling you, <laughs> you know? no, I'm, I'm like, come. it doesn't bother her if I eat raw kale. The uh, what's it, oxalic acid? Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 it wrecks my stomach. Now, interesting thing is, same thing. Guys work out and they eat all this protein and say, "I'm just eating healthy food. I'm eating all this protein." It turns out when you eat the protein, it doesn't get digested enough of it. Then it goes to your gut, and these organisms. Pro ferment this protein and they start to release ammonia and sulfide and that causes massive amount of inflammation, right? You don't see these rashes, suddenly you start to have anxiety. 
Mm. You start to get a whole bunch of other symptoms and you say, my God, I'm eating healthy. What's wrong? The answer is you're not eating healthy. You're eating what you believed was healthy because you're treating your body like a black box. So we say, you know, all these technologies are now there at our disposal. And we, I was looking around to find out how can we actually look inside your body and figure out what these microbes are doing. And it turns out there was a technology that government has developed for the biodefense work, which was exactly solving the same problem. If a bad actor were to get hold of something, how would we know what is making people sick? And they say they can't just simply say what organisms are there. They need to know what they are producing so they can build the antidote for that. We say once we saw the technology, I'm thinking, you know, if we know what's making people sick, we know how to keep them healthy. So I license the technology and say we're going to use this for the betterment of humanity. And that is what created Wild, right? So you're just to just to slow this down sure. a little bit to get my head around it because I've had um, you know do functional medicine and sure. you do, you test your gut biome you you do these very disgusting yeah. uh, lab work where you yeah. take your feces and yeah. put it in a vial and mm-hmm. mail it somewhere and they come back and say oh you have this fungus this bacteria this is out of order da 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 but there's not really other than a recommendation of hey you have parasites you should take these herbs or these drugs or whatever it is to get rid of the parasites too much yeast mm-hmm. all that. But there's never a recommendation like, hey, mm-hmm. you shouldn't eat celery or you should eat more fish or less this or that. And, so, And tell you why. Because those technologies cannot do that. So everyone who is doing this testing are actually scamming their customers because understanding the organisms doesn't do anything. You need to know what these organisms are actually producing. Right. Are they producing good stuff like butyrate or are they producing toxic stuff like lipopolysaccharide or ammonia or sulfide, right? Or, you know, a, a whole bunch of other inflammatory compounds or are they producing anti-inflammatory compounds that you actually need more of? So these technologies were all doing, you know, this ancient stuff like 16S, which is throwaway technology or metagenomics, which is DNA. DNA tells you potentiality. RNA tells you what actually is going on. Mm. And nobody else is doing it. So here's very interesting. If you look just like human beings in nature, there could be 10,000 different organisms that can produce exactly the same thing. Just like there are 10,000 people. They can all do one thing. Whether it's being an electrician, whether it's being a plumber or being a podcaster, right? 10,000 people can do the same thing. Or the same person can do multiple things. Same organisms can produce a whole bunch of different things depending on the ecosystem it's in and depending on what is being fed. That means looking at the organism doesn't tell you what is actually going on. A good people behave badly in a bad ecosystem. And even the bad people behave nicely in a good ecosystem. So the idea is to create that ecosystem when there is a balance between these organisms. And it's not about, you know, the whole idea, oh, these guys are bad and these guys are good. That actually is what causes us to actually have imbalance. In the world, it's not good or bad. It is really that balance that causes us to actually continue to be, what I would say, alive and healthy. So for example, if in your gut, you don't have the organisms that are actually constantly keeping your immune system active, your immune system is actually goes too low. And when there is a bad pathogen comes in, immune system is just not even active. Right? Mm. So having these organisms that are constantly telling the immune system, hey, Stay, stay active here. Stay, don't, go, don't go to sleep here. right? And the good guys are keep feeding the nutrients to the body. 
And when there is something bad happens, they say immune system. Now is the time. Go. Right? So point is, it requires all of these things. But what happens is, when we eat something that keeps killing the bad, good guys, guess what happens? Now the bad guys take over. And then you have suddenly the LA riot. <laughs> right. right. Which I was here for. It was no party. <laughs> no party. Right? Even the good guys get caught into it. Right? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Now, here's what happens. As long as the, even if the bad guys are there in LA, there's no riot because the good guys keep saying, nup, nup, nup. This life is, you know, you're not going to go do that. And that's the whole idea is to keep these guys in check. It's a check and a balance, right? And you need both. So what we do is in this test, we not only look at the organisms, we tell you what they are producing. And based on that, we say, hey, Luke, you should not be eating apple. People say, well, really? So by the way, this is my own example. So I did my test and it says, don't eat apple. And then it tells me why. You say, Mr. Jen, you have a apple chlorectic leaf virus. And if you keep eating apple, that's feeding that virus and you're going to continue to stay, have problems, inflammation. Don't eat banana. It's because banana, the ketones in banana is actually causing inflammation in your body. You should try the coconut milk instead. And by the way, you should not be eating chickpeas and lentils that you're eating a lot of, right? That actually is being fermented. You're eating too much of them. It's actually producing toxins like sulfide ammonia and petrosin rather than actually converting them into good stuff. So you really need to lay off that for a while. Right. So it's very interesting. I was talking to this woman came by, you know, came by yesterday and says, you know, I can't believe I was on this keto diet. I'm just not eating any carb and I didn't want to eat any fat. And just I eat, I wanted to eat no toxins. So I'm eating organic tortilla, organic tortilla, corn tortilla chips. I did the test. And the first thing it says is don't eat organic tortilla, corn tortilla chips. I'm thinking, how would you know that? My wow. point was because we saw what it is doing. So I wonder what uh, what the Viome test would have to say about my brother. My younger brother, one of them, has been on the carnivore diet now for almost a year. And literally all he eats is grass-fed beef, salt, pepper, and spring water. <laughs> That's all he's so, eaten. Like not one bite of any other food. And what's weird, and you know, we don't know how this is going to go long term. Talk to him in 10 years. We don't know. But his inflammation, his general health, his digestion, everything is completely counterintuitively getting better and better and better, more energy, healthier, better sleep. I wonder what would be going on there. So actually, it's very interesting. It's not that the beef is bad. It's bad for some people. So what happens is the carnitin in beef actually goes to your gut microbiome. And if you have these guys produce the chemicals and enzymes to convert the carnitin into TMA, the TMA gets absorbed in the body and then your liver translates the TMA into TMAO, oxidizes that, and that is what causes the heart disease. If you're not producing enzyme that produces TMA, then you can eat all the beef you want. It's mm. not going to cause grief to you in terms of heart disease. Right? So the interesting thing is now, the things that may be working well for him, four or five months from now, that is going to start causing grief because now you're only growing the organisms that rely and can digest that food and everything else start to die. Mm. And then what happens is anytime, even the good stuff, when you get too much of it, they become bad. They start to form biofilm. They start to do the things that you never expected, right? So when you start to, in a group mentality takes over and they keep sensing how many of us are there. It's time for ruckus or not, right? 
Right. Like that's literally. So if you, the idea would be to have more diverse diet, but really not to treat your body like a black box. Do a test. It may say it's totally fine. And you test again three to four months now, you say, lay off. You, now you got totally out of balance now, right? And you got to bring the balance back in. And that's really the key is to constantly get the things. Like people say, how often do I have to do the test now? Do you mean you got to do that every year now? But point is, even your car, which is not very complex, you tune it every one, once a year, right? If people say, well, I asked them, how often do you work out? Do you think you can just work out today and say, That's, I'm done now? Well, how often do you work out? A couple of times a week. At least a couple of times a year, you got to tune, you understand what's happening inside your body and retune it. Because otherwise, you're simply treating it like a black box. Well, it makes a lot of sense to me because I've done a considerable amount of, you know, gut testing. And then, like I said, I'll do cleanses and try and optimize my diet. And ultimately, I've never been able to really fix my digestion. It's because you never, ever actually got the actionable thing. These guys, who are, you're doing a test. Actually, you know, in my opinion, it really is, are the parasite of humanity. They're scamming people. Using the technology that's complete useless, right? Here we are. This technology we got would have cost thousands of dollars to do the test. We worked hard, completely automated everything. And when we launched, we were able to do it. Our cost was $400 and we actually sold that for $395. We worked hard over the last one year. We brought our cost down to $200. We sell that for $199. Wow. Right. And my hope is in the next <laughs> six to nine months, we're going to bring it down to $100, right? And we're going to sell that for $99. Why do we do that? Because we really believe... How do you keep your investors happy? <laughs> so honestly, that's very interesting. We have, you know, we raise 40... We lose, about, we lose about 20 to $25 million every year. And we've raised $45 million because people who believe in us, they know we are on the right path of solving this problem. Right. If we don't solve this problem, not only we will stay sick, we're going to watch our children and grandchildren suffer. That problem is worth solving. Our whole belief is we take all this data we get from every person what's making sick and we use the artificial intelligence to understand why these people have depression. Why do the people who have anxiety, what is, is being produced by these organisms that's causing the grief? And then we change their food and that changes their ecosystem. And people tell us, oh my God, all these symptoms that I used to have are gone. We understand what changed. And that to me is really the key. Is by doing that, the more people who join us, they become part of the movement that makes us better. And it makes everyone before and everyone after us better. So if we can come, million of us can come together, it fundamentally will change how we live as a society. That's cool. We can create a world where illness actually will be a matter of choice, not a matter of bad luck. Now, that problem is worth solving. And that problem, if we solve and fo stay focused, will be a great business. And you and I have talked about in the past, doing good and doing well are not mutually exclusive. If you stay focused on helping a billion people, you can create a $100 billion company. You just have to focus here, not focus on making money. The reason people who focus on making money always fail is because making money is like having an orgasm. If you focus on it, you're never going to get it. You just have to enjoy the process. You stay focused on the goal of making, you know, helping a billion people. And if they are going to be a happy customer, you can create a business out of it. 
That's great. I was explaining to someone that today with the process of sort of haphazardly scaling a business like I do, where I produce independent media podcasts, public speaking events and things like that. And they were asking, well, how is it? And I said, well, it's interesting now. I've, I've, I feel like I'm kind of successful because it started to make money. Yeah. You know, there's passive income involved because you yeah. have affiliate relationships yeah, yeah, yeah. and advertisers and stuff yeah. like that. And I thought, you know, I definitely didn't get into it for the money. I got into it because I love talking to yeah. people like Naveen Jain. Yeah. I mean, I would do this for free all day long, every yeah. day. I love meeting brilliant people and then sharing that information to help alleviate suffering in the world by, you know, uh, turning people onto teachings and technologies and things like that. But I said, wow, it's just, it's an added bonus that it makes money. It's like, this is fun. You know, it's like, well, cool. I'm getting paid for this. Okay, that's fine. But it was never, ever the intent of it. Even though I'm, I like making money. But look, that is the people like you are the ones who actually solve the problems because you start focusing on the right goal. I am not in the business of podcast to make money. I'm in the podcast business because I want to educate people. I want to meet the interesting people. I want to grow myself intellectually. And I want to share that with the people who will never get to meet these people. Well articulated, my vision. Thank you. And that to (laughs) me, once you do that, suddenly you can find the business will come. The money will come because you're staying focused to your core mission. The minute you start to say, I'm here to make money, you start to do the things that people will leave you because now you're bringing the people who are paying you to be on the podcast. That generates revenue and your audience is going to say, all right, I'm done with Luke Guy now, right? Because he's no longer cares about us. He cares about himself. And then people leave you. Mm. People stay with you because they know you are there for them, not for yourself. The reason people, you know, use our service they know I do this because of I care from the heart. You mentioned you do not have anybody ever suffer through the cancer loved ones. I lost my dad a few months ago from pancreatic cancer. And here I am looking at all the research, clearly holding a research in my hand that shows how pancreatic cancer is caused by the gut microbiome moving from the gut to pancreas shuts the immune system down, allows the cancer to grow. And this researcher was able to put the antimicrobial thing directly into pancreas in the mouse. It killed the microbes and the immune system killed the cancer. Whoa. I'm sitting the thing and telling a doc, doc, all I'm asking you is to put this thing, antimicrobial in my dad's pancreas. That is not, we cannot do that. That's not a protocol. We will not do that. And I'm saying that's going to save his life. I'm showing you the research. He said, it doesn't matter. We will not do that. And I saw him die. I told him, I said, dad, look, I don't know if I can save you anymore. But what I can do is I'm going to work hard to save everyone who is suffering, whether they're suffering from Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or depression or anxiety or obesity or diabetes or autoimmune diseases. And amazing things are happening. As we are learning, now we're doing the research trials to saw, to show people it's actually working. Now we have research trials for colorectal cancer, ovarian cancer, pancreatic cancer, insomnia, obesity, reduction of A1C diabetes, right? We are doing all these trials to show this actually is going to work. And someday, whether it's two years, three years or five years from now, we're going to look back and saying a small group of people and dedicated people were able to do something that pharma companies never did. Wow. Last question I want to ask yeah. you is, do you happen to know anything about how 
light, be it toxic artificial light like we're under right now with these blue LEDs versus healthy sunlight or even red light therapy, how light affects the gut biome? Of course. I mean, not only the gut microbiome has its own circadian rhythm. In fact, light is a tremendous. That is how we in the nature knew when it is the time to sleep, when it's time to eat, when it's time to do something. Now we have created this artificial thing like Las Vegas, right? You're all the time, you're the same. Your brain is fooled to understand it's a daylight. Your microbiome is fooled, fueled, fooled to understand it's a daylight. And circuit, everything circadian rhythm is out the window. In fact, the light also helps your skin produce vitamin D, right? So all the things we are doing is completely unnatural. That is not how we evolved to be human. So the more things we do in terms of living how we used to be in nature, that means we no longer, the reason we have so many chronic diseases in the urban areas that we don't see them, by the way, in uh, developing countries. We don't see them people living on the farm. I've never had a farmer come and say, come spring, my nose is running and my, you know, I, I got these hay fever or allergies because they're constantly, their immune system is constantly being trained because they have cows and the sheep and the plants and all the immune system is trained for that. We move out to the cities. We wash our hands with Purell. We completely hygienic. We have, no, you know, these hyperallergic uh, filters in the air and come allergy, we go out and the, that you start to get a little bit of pollen and we are all sneezing and coughing. For heaven's sake, it's a pollen. It's not going to kill you, right? But our immune system doesn't know that. It's never seen that before. So my point is, if we go out and live in the nature, go out and be with the animals, you're actually going to start living healthier. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for that. Well, we got to wrap it up here because I know you've got things to do. Uh, My final question is this. You've taught me so much today. I mean, I could talk to you for hours. You're just inspiring and brilliant person. So thank you for that. Uh, and I'm sure our audience is stoked too. But who have been three teachers in your life that our, that our audience might be able to go look to to learn even more? I will tell you there's only one teacher. It's life. Life is the most amazing teacher. It never stops teaching. It is we who stop learning. Every interaction you have, don't judge the person. Take time because that may be the most teachable moment you have. Even if you run into a person who is homeless, sit down and ask what brought you here and there'll be a lesson to be learned from you, right? So just be and really live life without judging. Stay intellectually curious because curiosity is what keeps you alive. The day you stop becoming curious, the day you have died, right? So if you're not curious, you already become a zombie, right? And ups and downs of life is what makes you human. So I see, you know, your life is all heartbeat. is up and down, up and down. When it's smooth, you're just dead. You just don't know it. Ups and downs tells you you're alive. When you are down, you hunker down there and you just know the next beat is going to be up. But most importantly, when you're on top of that beat, never get too cocky because winter is coming. Right? <laughs> right? And that to me is how you live life. That's amazing, man. Thank you. Well, where can people find you? Uh, website, social media, etc. Well, I'm on all the social media. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. Or you can just email it to me. I'm, you know, I'm always answer all my emails. And I just want to thank you, Luke, for what you do. 
and thank you for helping us spread the word about Wyom because I need your help. I need everyone who's listening to it because if we can't come together, enough of us, we will all fail, right? And if we don't want to solve this problem, I can live on some nice warm island. Trust me, my life is really good. So I want us to really please help me spread this word. And that's all I ask you to get people to start testing themselves because that will get get us enough information for us to solve this problem. So they get better and we actually get closer and closer to solving this problem. So thank you. Awesome. You got it. Thanks for joining me. Signing out. Yeah. Thanks. I wish I had the rights to the Rocky theme song because right now I would play it after that inspiring conversation. Da 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 da. Can't you just picture it? I get so pumped every time I hang out with Naveen. Such an inspiring guy, such a cool guy. And uh, as you could probably tell during the conversation, I was just at the edge of my seat. The level of enthusiasm that Naveen brings to these conversations is just contagious. So I was so happy to finally get him on the show. And more than anything, I'm so thrilled that you had the opportunity to join me. If you enjoyed this conversation, please do myself, Naveen, and you and the whole world a favor, quite frankly, and share it with a friend. Just click share somewhere on your podcast app and uh, send this over to someone via text, via email, post it on your Instagram. If you follow me, I'm at Luke Story on Instagram. If you do a story, 99.9% of the time, I will repost you in appreciation and give you mad props and maybe even a couple followers. It's a kind of a barely cloaked uh, bribe there. But seriously, follow me on Instagram and share this episode. If you'd like to learn more about our sponsors, it's super easy. As I said in the intro, you can go to lukestory.com forward slash store. That's a great way to support your health, support some great brands and support the work that me and my team are doing here. Speaking of team, shout out to Crate Media, aka Podcast Masters, who do the production on the show. Always so grateful for these guys. Every week they manage to put out these monstrous episodes, even sometimes twice a week. I don't know how you guys do it. If you're listening, whoever's editing this, perhaps Hayden or Austin, one of the boys. Thank you so much. And thank you to my graphic designer, Noel Mullins. And thank you to my longtime show co-producer, Tati Mello. And who else is on the team? Um, I forget at the moment. There's a lot of them. <laughs> but I'm grateful for my, my team and I'm grateful for you. You know, we just hit three years on June 6th. And uh, we're creeping up on 3 million downloads here. I think I'm a couple hundred shy, which is why I always say, please, please, please share this show with a friend. Because in the podcast world, I'll just let you in on a little secret. It's all about the number of downloads you have. So when you're pitching advertisers or you're trying to get a big famous guest on your show, uh, they want to know how many downloads do you have? How many downloads do you have? That's the thing, right? Like, for example, one of the guests that I'd really like to have on the show is Russell Brand. I know a couple of people that know him, but you know what I'm saying? It's a little awkward to ask. I don't know them as well as they know him, that kind of thing. Now, if I had, say, a million downloads a month, like certain podcasters do, then I could easily get in touch with Russell Brand's publicist, for example, and have a much more uh, likelihood of getting someone like that on the show. Or Steven Tyler or some of my other dream guests, you know, that are a bit high profile. Not to say that someone has to be famous by any stretch to make a great guest. In fact, uh, one of my very favorite episodes of the show is with my buddy Matt Maruka, 
And he was an 18-year-old kid from Philly who'd never even been on a damn podcast before. And he was my number one download for almost two years before he got knocked back. I think he's at number five now. So this isn't a show about having celebrities on. It's a show about having interesting people on. And sometimes those interesting people are really hard to get on unless you have a lot of damn downloads. So share it with a friend. Visit lukestory.com forward slash store. There you will find Juve. The red light therapy. Did I do Juve today? Yes, I did. I did a Juve session this afternoon on my Bulletproof Vibe plate. I did 10 minutes of intense red light therapy. And then I sprinted up the hill and almost killed myself. <laughs> and then I came back and did an ice bath. I had a lit ass afternoon thanks to Juve. You can go to J-O-O-V-V.com, juve.com forward slash Luke. Enter the code Luke. And you get some kind of little gift. I still don't even know what it is, but they tell me you get a gift. Hopefully it's dope. You can go to blueblocks.com, enter the code lifestylist and save 15% off some super fly blue blocking eyewear essential to having your life. Unless you're like me and you just change all of the light bulbs in your whole house and drive everybody crazy. Uh, Blue blocks are an easy way to eliminate blue light at night. Improves your sleep. You know what it improves, dude? If you start producing melatonin, you get lots of good sunlight early in the morning, etc. Jack Cruz kind of protocol. It actually raises your dopamine, which means you're much less susceptible to addictive behaviors. I notice when I'm getting more sun and blocking blue light, I'm way less addicted to my phone. It's quantifiable. Very interesting stuff. You can also find the Organifi green juice, the gold powder, all the rad stuff there. Go to Organifi.com forward slash Luke. And uh, use the code LIFESTYLIST and save 20% off there. So that's what's up. Next Tuesday, we've got Tim Gray from the Health Optimization Summit coming up September 14th and 15th in London. That's a fantastic conversation. He tells us how he discovered he had mercury poisoning so bad that he could barely walk and went on this insane health journey and basically turned his like office wall into um, one of those kind of um, crime, what do you call it? Like a crime family tree, you know, in the mafia movies where they have like the the bosses and then the worker, you know, under them. I don't know what you call that. A graph of sorts for his health. Anyway, you'll hear him tell the story Tuesday. That's Tim Gray, how he had mercury poisoning and overcame it. And now he's like this world leader in the health and wellness space. Really, really cool story. Very inspiring. And lots of good information about detoxing and heavy metal toxicity too. So that's next Tuesday. If you don't want to miss next Tuesday's show or any of the insanely cool shows I have coming up, just subscribe to the podcast. Super easy. Helps me get more downloads. Helps you never miss an episode. One last reminder, guys. If you want to check out your gut microbiome, see what's going on inside you, what to eat, what to do about it, go to viome.com forward slash Luke story. That's V-I-O-M-E.com forward slash Luke story. If you want to lose some weight, if you want your sleep to crush, if you want more mental clarity, if you've got digestive problems, if your skin is jacked up, if you're in a crappy mood, chances are it might be going on in your gut. And I'll tell you what, I have not done this test yet, but I'm about to do it myself because I have some very mysterious issues going on that I can't seem to get to the bottom of. And I think it must be in my gut. I've done various gut biome tests before, but I don't really know what to do with the data. I don't get recommendations with that. So I'm super stoked about what Naveen and his crew are doing over there. A very high integrity company. So I'm really happy to give it a shot myself and happy to promote it to you. Go to viome.com forward slash Luke story. See you next week. This episode of the Lifestylist podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.